who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you, because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors, to best-selling authors, and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Yes, and this is a mini-episode. It's a little mini. It's also International Women's Day. I thought it was tomorrow. Well, when this episode comes out... Oh, that's true. ...will be International Women's Day. Adoy. <laughs> yes. So, happy International Women's Day to all of our listeners. Yes, happy International Women's Day. We hope you're having a lovely day. Okay, so I have some not-so-lovely things to talk about today. Yeah, neither of mine are happy. Mine are not happy either. Okay, so I'll jump right in. Um, The California Attorney General uh, Xavier Becerra announced uh, Tuesday that he will not be filing criminal charges against the two Sacramento police officers who killed Stefan Clark. Yes. So if you guys remember, that was last year, I think maybe last May, we talked about it on this podcast. Um, Stefan Clark was a black man who was killed in his own backyard or his mm-hmm. grandmother's backyard, and the officers said that they shot him because they thought he had a gun yeah. when actually he just had a cell phone, and he was in his own backyard whenever mm-hmm. he was charged upon by these police officers. And it was it was like his his grandmother that witnessed it, right? Is that the I same believe, story? I believe, yes. Okay. She was inside. Um so the California the California Department of Justice conducted an independent investigation into the shooting death, and um, Stefan Clark was 22 years old. And they said our investigation has concluded that no criminal charges against the officers involved in the shooting can be substantiated. And that what? was um, and that was but Xavier why? Becerra who said there, that. I don't understand the reasoning to how. It can't I, go further. They you know gave I mean? they gave some reasonings. They said, looking at the body cam footage, that um, he acted suspiciously. He came upon the officers at like a high rate of speed, and that an object in his hand 
judging by what they could see in the video footage, could have been. looked shiny. And that's all they could really tell from the video is that right. the object looked shiny. So they're saying, I guess, that the actions of the police were justified in this case. Um, Great. So immediately, demonstrations started popping up essentially right after yeah. uh, this came out. In Sacramento, on Wednesday, UC Davis students sat in protests. They had a sit-in at their school or at the Capitol. I'm not entirely sure. And then today, which is Thursday, yesterday for you listeners, 250 students from Sacramento City College as well as C.K. McClatchy, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, McClatchy High School walked out of class and marched to the Capitol today. So there was a walkout. Um, Sacramento police said that they will now decide whether the officers violated any policies or procedures. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're not facing any criminal charges, but they still could receive some kind of disciplinary action from the police. I mean, not what you would want. Not what I want, and also not holding out a ton of hope that that will happen. Yeah. Either it seems pretty likely that they're probably going to get away with nothing more than a slap on the wrist, if anything. Yeah, with what you just said, I feel like they're going to hold on to that evidence, you know. Right. I mean, and I have not seen the body cam footage, so I can't say. However, it seems like they acted very brashly. It just seems, like, too easy. Like, it just seems to me like all of the stereotypical we-thought-he-had-a-gun kind of thing. Well, I mean, it's just one of those things, I think we talked about this at the time, where the expectation for the civilian or, like, the pedestrian um, is higher, almost, than the expectation of behavior for police officers. It's like, we oftentimes use the excuse that these police officers were scared. He was coming at me quickly, had something shiny in his hand. Yeah. Um, And completely dismiss, like, do you not think Stefan Clark was scared? He's in his own backyard. And the cops are coming after him. And you don't necessarily know that they're cops. You know, like, you're in your own backyard. You're taken off guard. I mean, his reaction could have been one of self-defense. I agree. And he wasn't given enough time to assess what was happening. Yeah, and and that's the other thing is that, like, I just have an issue with when it comes to police being so quick to use their guns. You know what I mean? I feel like there are other, like, they can pull them out, but actually using them, I feel like there has to be... A better way to de-escalate the situation, Yeah, and I feel like that's a pretty, like common thing when you go into like you know a school shooting or if you're you know approaching somebody who is violent where it is important to kind of like de-escalate the situation and not just immediately use deadly force well i believe they're trained in that which is what i'm assuming whenever they they say that they're going to look and see if any policies weren't adhered to right i'm assuming that that's what they're talking about is that they need to look and see if they did everything possible to de-escalate the situation, which I don't think they did. No. But even It sounds if, like it all happened pretty fast. It, it all happened pretty quickly, and e- even if they receive some kind of disciplinary action yeah. for that, I don't think it's going to be more than a slap on the wrist. And right. um, Stefan Clark's mother, when she was asked to comment about what was going on with the protests, she basically said, hey, you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. So she was like, do it, protest, stand mm-hmm. on tables, make as much noise as possible because this is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, just very sad. <laughs> Stefan Clark was a father. Um, he was and 22 so years old. Dear he was God. a baby. Yeah. You know? So... It's very, very sad. 
And so heartbreaking. Yeah. Want to hear something else that's really shitty? Yes. So, have you seen the picture of the high schoolers at a party with the red solo cups in the shape yep, of a swastika? Sure have. Okay, so I, you know me and my World War II fascinated mind, especially my fascination with Anne Frank. I was on BuzzFeed today, and I saw an article saying that Eva Schloss, who was a Holocaust survivor and Anne Frank's stepsister, is going to be meeting with them today, Thursday, with the teens from Costa Mesa oh, okay. regarding their anti-Semitic photo on Snapchat. What did you think I was going to say? Oh, no, no. I mean, that's what I thought you were going to say, but I'm kind of like, this woman shouldn't have to take time out of her fucking life to talk to these shitty teens. No, like, th- she shouldn't, but I think that what she's doing is really noble, and we'll get to some of the reasoning why she's doing it. So, just some background on the photo. The photo was from a party on March 2nd, um, showed a group of teens posing with Nazi salutes um, during what appeared to be a drinking game, kind of like beer pong. Yeah, so they're red solo cups in the shape of a swastika on yeah. the table, and then a bunch of white bros doing the Nazi salute around and even some, the table. even some women, too. And then there what were the comments fu- made like Master Race and German Rage Cage. Um, and then there was a conversation that they got on Snapchat, which included comments such as, phone's gonna die, just like the Jews. So fucking edgy. So oh, so stupid. fucking edgy. I mean, it's beyond stupid. It's like, I don't know. I don't give... I understand, like, their brains are still developing X, Y, Z. I did all kinds of dumb shit whenever I was a teenager. Like, I get that. Like, I get all of that. And I understand that. And I understand that we cannot view teenagers through the same lens that we view adults. um, Because their brains aren't developed entirely. However, like, it's deliberately hateful and I have a tendency not to give a pass just because yeah. they're they're young kids. I think that they should feel full consequences. Yeah. Um and should. I think that their parents should feel consequences. That's what I felt like I was like I would feel awful being those parents. So this they attend the Newport Harbor and Estancia High Schools. The school district has interviewed more than two dozen students. In what state, sorry? This is California, it's Costa Mesa. Oh fucking great. Right? So the superintendent of the school district, Fred Navarro, says, While these actions did not occur on any school campus or school function, we condemn all acts of anti-Semitism and hate in all their forms. Some students issued apologies, right, saying their actions were disgusting, appalling, and irresponsible. Oh, okay, if you thought after that, you wouldn't fact. have done it. After like, the that's fact, the thing, yeah. is, like... If you thought that you wouldn't have done it, even if I was white, I can say this with certainty that because I was raised primarily by white people. So I can say this with with, you know, pretty clear certainty that if I was in a situation that was similar to that, even as a teenager, I would have walked out. Yeah, I'm not saying because I understand peer pressure and all that. And I'm not saying that I would have stood on a table and been like, you guys are all fucking pieces of shit. Right, but you would have removed but yourself But I would have removed myself from the situation yeah. because I know that it's appalling and disgusting. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't have participated. Yeah. So what? I don't believe you. I believe that you got in trouble. And now and your, your parents your legs. have yeah. told you you need to issue an apology because Agreed. this could ruin your fucking future. <laughs> yeah, Max actually showed me the picture and he was like, well, none of them are getting into college. And I was like, yeah. I mean, yeah, bare minimum, even if they do, it's like, you can't do anything high profile ever. Ever. Because this will come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. And it's not like, and like, this was shitty anyway, so don't take it the wrong way like I'm giving this guy a pass, but when we talked about um, 
the governor of Virginia blackface. in blackface in the 80s, it's not even like that even because... Yes, that was still fucking racist, but back then they thought they could be racist and nothing would happen to them. It's like yeah. this is 2019. And you're you on fucking social media. Knew yeah. that like in 2019 you can't do this shit. Right. Exactly. So Eva Schloss is 89 years old and like I said she's she was going to meet with the group of students today and is hopeful in spite their actions that they can become advocates of tolerance and understanding. And I I'm just like god that woman is a she fucking saint. She is a bigger woman than me. Like yeah, she is. For and real. like the only thing um that I can think because this is just where my mind at. Listeners, if you can't tell, <laughs> I had a really bad day. <laughs> um so this is just kind of like where my mind at is at right now, but like I really hope that they feel such deep shame in, oh, in her presence. Her. In her presence, I hope they feel yeah. the deepest shame. So she spent two years in hiding in the Netherlands before being captured by the Nazis and she was 15 years old. And um, so Rabbi Reuven Mintz uh, uh, put out a statement that says, it's imperative that today's young people come face to face with the consequences of unchecked hatred. Our hope in this meeting, someone who witnessed firsthand the atrocities committed under the same swastika and salute, will help guide these students toward a life of tolerance and acceptance, spreading the message of, inclu- of inclusion and love rather than one of hatred. So I feel like this is, I mean, although it's like, God, lady, you don't have to do this. But in a way, it's also like she's confronting the situation head on and she's like, no, what you're doing like, that really happened to me and had a deep effect on my life and my family as being probably the most famous family no, yeah, I to ever come through the Holocaust. It's, it's absolutely true. Like, she is doing the right thing. She is, but it's also like, girl, you don't got to do all that. Like, I mean, I, I, guess for me, I guess for me, what's frustrating about it, not frustrating, but my makes my first reaction what it was. Yeah. In that, like, I'm just like, this is bullshit. Like, you shouldn't have to do this. Yeah. Is that minorities and oppressed peoples oftentimes have to take on that emotional labor exactly to educate these people yeah and they have to take out you know the time the energy all of their emotional resources to deal with this shit because the only way that these entitled fucking white kids from costa mesa can learn anything is by having some kind of they're so fucking entitled and selfish and they're so selfish that it has to directly affect their lives they have to meet somebody who sits them down and says this is why this is hurtful to me an individual personally right but if that's if that's gonna make a difference and even just reading this article and i think having this conversation in 2019 i feel like what she's doing as much as it is just like such it's so laborious I think it's also important for us to realize that, like, this isn't an old thing that doesn't exist anymore. Like, these are things that people, these are beliefs that people still hold. And um, having her come forward and have this conversation with these kids, I feel like, is is really important for that no, generation. I, I think she's doing the right thing. But it I is, just, it I just is, feel like, yeah. white people, get your shit together. Like, honestly, people of color and, and, being self-absorbed. and minorities... And people who are oppressed shouldn't have to do this. Like, uh-huh. they, you should know. And you do know. Mm-hmm. You just choose to ignore it until yeah. somebody is looking into your fucking face yep. and saying, like, my whole family was murdered yeah. under the symbol that you're saluting. Yep. Like, and they know that. They, they know just that. don't care. You learn it. Every single school in America yeah. teaches it. And you know? um, that's what's so frustrating. And I, I'm sorry. 
although, I mean, sorry, not sorry, but, like, not just white people, like, people in general, stop expecting the emotional labor of somebody else to be the thing that changes your mind. Yeah. You shouldn't need to meet a gay couple to be like, oh, this is okay. Oh, they're just people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, stop expecting in your personal interactions with oppressed people or minorities to change, be the thing that changes your mind. Like, yeah. That's, it's not fair. Just don't be shitty in the first place. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about yours. Oh, did you have this one too? I didn't, but let's talk about this one before. Do you have an ender? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so I want to talk about Alex Trebek. Um, I, did you grow up watching Jeopardy at all? Yes. Okay, so I never really did, but. I loved it. My boss loves Jeopardy, and so Mm -hmm. it's on every night at work, and I'm always like, God, I'm the stupidest person in the world. I mean, yes, I do feel that way. And he's got, like, a little calendar, so every day there's, like, a question, so I've kind of been around it the last year or so more than I had then previously, um... But the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek, revealed on Wednesday that he has been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, most patients with pancreatic cancer have a five-year survival rate of seven percent, and so he is stage four. And he's stage yeah. four. So he came out with an announcement that said, "Just like the fifty thousand other people in the United States each year, this week I was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer." He says he also plans to beat the low survival rate statistics for this disease. I gotta say, when I saw him um, give that announcement, like, I didn't even know that I was emotionally attached to Alex Trebek. Well, because he's just kind of like that figure that's around. You just don't think he's ever gonna die. Like, you're just like, he's always gonna be around. Yeah. Like, he's always gonna be hosting Jeopardy. Like, he's been hosting for all of my... I, I mean, I don't remember a time in my childhood without... Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've always known who he was, you know. So he actually intends to keep working as well. He says, truth be told, I have to because under the terms of my contract, I have to host Jeopardy for three more years. Oh, God, what a beautiful man. <laughs> so that's all I really have on that, but I wanted to bring that Yeah, to at least, like, touch on it for attention. sure. Yeah, I mean, man, stage four pancreatic cancer, that's... A scary, but his humor surrounding it and his um, hope. You know what? I think is really that admirable. shit will get you through. Like, um, I'm not going to put everything out there because it's not my business. But like, mm-hmm. someone very close to me a couple of years ago was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and they were like, "The likelihood of you surviving this is super low." And they were like, "Fuck that." Um, and you know what? He wasn't even really like, fuck that, but like, he handled it with so much humor. Like, yeah. he just moved ahead. Yeah. He like, he did everything he was supposed to do. And along the way, he was just making joke after joke about like going and getting his treatments done, even mm-hmm. when he was very sick. And, um, he was just like, we're just going to handle this, mm-hmm. basically. And now he's clean. He's completely in remission. So that's amazing. Um, it is possible. Like, it is totally possible. And like, I wish him and his family just the most, like, I know. I, I'm sending all my love. Yeah, same. Okay, so the headline for this <laughs> that I wrote down was, R. Kelly has lost his goddamn mind. Did you God see that mind. interview? I sent you the video. Oh, my him. God. Wait, can we, can we like, play that video through the microphone that I sent you? Sure, yeah. Let me find it. Quit playing. Robert. I didn't do this stuff. This is not me. I'm fighting for my life. Y'all killing me with this shit. Quit playing. This shit is like... You're it, it killing is, me with it this shit. It is the most bananas. Like, the, the, I was at work and it was on and... Um, 
it's like the, the woman <laughs> the woman I was with like we stopped what we were doing and like we watched it and it was that part and like the little bit like before and after that and it was so I was like you don't look unhinged at all yeah, like you look totally sane. you look so innocent like yeah. here's the thing like an innocent person doesn't respond shit. and you hear him there and yeah. he's making faces there like he's crying mm-hmm. but there are no tears. No tears. Um, he's so, just having a pity party for himself. He's like, my life is over. Yeah, like, uh. Uh, uh, fuck you. Um, so he has been charged with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse, and authorities say that three of the four alleged victims were underage when the crimes happened. He's pleaded not guilty. Mm-hmm. The interview is bananas, guys. Like, seriously, I'm not going to say watch it because part of me is like, I almost didn't watch it because I was like, I don't know if I want to give this guy attention. Yeah. But... If you're thinking about watching it, it can be interesting because yeah. Gail, God Gail. F- fucking bless Gail. Like, Gail King, who's doing the interview, she doesn't go easy on him. She no. doesn't let anything pass her by. She calls him on his bullshit, like, consistently throughout the interview. And um, including when he says that every woman, and in fact, every person in that documentary is lying on him. Um, lying she, on him? Yeah, they're lying on me. They're lying on me. And she they, points out... You were lying on them when they were underage, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, but But um, She points out that it doesn't really make sense that all of these women who do not know each other would come yeah. forward with such similar stories. And he vehemently denies um, ever having sex with anyone under eight, uh, under 17, which we know is not true because yeah. he married Aaliyah when she was 15. Yeah, exactly. So we know that that's not true. And Gail tells him this. She's like, yeah. she's like, this is really hard to believe. Like, you understand that this is really hard to believe. And this yeah. it's at this point that he starts to get, like, defensive. Like, very yeah. defensive in yeah. the way that, like, no... Innocent person yeah. gets defensive. He looks unhinged. He, like, he gets up. Yeah. He starts talking directly to camera at yeah. one point, which I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I don't look into my soul. Yeah, he starts screaming and pacing. And yeah. at one point, like, his publicist has to step in because I was just like, his PR people must be in a panic right now. Yeah. And his publicist does have to step in. They have to stop the interview and, like, calm him down Yeah, before they can go forward. And he says that his only mistake is that he... Uh, the only mistake he's made is having too big a heart. His heart is too big, and he just wants to help these girls whose parents have just, like, left them at his... He goes from saying that he has no idea about, like, anything Any to do girls? with these girls, and to then the next thing... he was trying to save them. Save them because their parents were such shitty people that sure, they, like... Jam. Dro- sure, Exactly. Sure. So, um, yeah. and, and Gail, you know... To her credit, like, she does point out to him, she's like, it sounds like you're trying to play the victim here. Are you yeah. trying to play the victim here? Like, this yeah. is what this sounds like Ugh, right now. Gorgeous woman. Um, it, and it's a very bad look for him because yeah. he appears to be, like, big and domineering. I'm just kind of surprised that he even, like, took that interview. I think he's a narcissist or, like, has narcissistic tendencies. Right. I, I honestly I mean, feel I, like... I think that's pretty obvious because he... Well, and honestly, so I only watched the first two episodes of the documentary because I don't have cable or lifetime. Um, but, like, he got away with it for so long. Right. Even when people knew, like, he still got away with it because people loved his music and were just kind of like, oh, you know, brush he it off. He had so many enablers for so long. Um, that I think people, he felt very untouchable. Ab- absolutely. And have you heard that um, 
Have you heard that theory that famous people become kind of like arrested in development at the age in which they've become they become famous? I mean, I've heard something similar, and I definitely would believe that. I mean, I think right. if you look at like a lot of child stars, like Justin Bieber came to my mind, yeah, because he was so young, and then you look at kind of like the string of bad behavior he went through for well, so long. I think it's very, very hard to mature at a normal rate. If well, you especially become, when you're around a lot of yes men. Exactly. If you become famous very young, I think, or, you know, fairly young, I think R. Kelly was coming into fame in his his late teens or his very early 20s. Well, and he was also told when he was even younger by, like, music teachers and people around him just how talented he was. So right, even and he, he didn't have that, like, fame right away. He had a lot of things working against him as far as, like, maturing in a normal way because, yeah. like, he was sexually abused very young and then he dropped out of high school at 17 yeah. and then... Um, so he had a lot of things that kind of stood in his yeah. way of, like, maturing in a normal way. Um, but... I genuinely feel that he chose to take this interview probably against the advice of his PR people. Yeah. Um, because like he, he thinks, knew what they were going to talk about. Well, right? he's he's doing kind of classic narcissist behavior in that he, everyone around him could say, like, this is a bad idea. The best thing for you to do is not to say anything. Yeah. Don't give them anything. Just don't do anything. And he'll say, no, no, no. I'm so smart. I can convince them. I just need to talk to them, and I can convince them of whatever because he's yeah. thinking that the American public is stupid, and yeah, that Gail is stupid. Him. Yeah, yeah. Um, boy, so Gail it's is not stupid. I have a question to you because I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to. Um, I think it's called Finding Neverland. Leaving, leaving, leaving Neverland. Neverland. Um, what do you? What were your like? Thoughts on that growing up and thoughts on that now that it's kind of coming back into the spotlight. I will be really honest. Um, first of all, I have not seen Leaving Neverland I yet. haven't either. I, I, just... I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I I haven't had enough time to watch anything. And right. the idea of sitting through four hours of something that I know heard it's is going to make me feel sick Yeah, is not high on my list of things I really want to do. And then you shouldn't um, do it. But what are your, what are your thoughts on, on like the scandals and everything surrounding Michael Jackson? And, and yeah, so I'm going to be real honest about like, I'm totally, you've heard me on this podcast. You know me as, as a, as a person and I am down to cancel fucking whoever, whenever. Mm-hmm. I don't watch Roman Plansky movies, even though I really enjoy them. I don't watch Woody Allen movies, even though I really enjoy them. I don't listen to R. Kelly. I don't listen to Chris Brown. Um, because I feel like it is important. This one is it's hard. hard. Like, this one is so hard because, especially if you've spent any time, like, as a black person who spent my summers, all of my summers, with all of my black family at my grandparents' house, whatever. Black families in general, Michael Jackson, we worshipped Michael Jackson. We had all of his music videos on VHS tape. We had, you know, the Moonwalker movie. We had um, the Jack... I watched the Jackson 5 made-for-TV movie, like, every summer. Like, it was... He was a, a massive icon whose music I bought the 25th anniversary edition CD of Thriller and I listened to it constantly and I listened to the commentary behind the scenes extra tracks constantly it was such a huge part of my formative 
years. So what did you think about it, like, as you were growing up and these accusations were coming out? I mean, I think I did what a lot of people did in that it was before Me Too as well, where yeah. it's the same thing we did with R. Kelly, where we were kind of like, well... Eh, he was yeah. found not guilty, so That's it's kind fine. Of, that was he, kind we of my know, reality We know as he's well. weird. Um, we know he's weird, but we're unless we have um, definitive proof, we're just going to put it out of our minds. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have to say, hearing what I've heard about the documentary and some of the details yes. is is definitely yes. changing yeah. my feelings. It, I mean, I it, it's knew... It's time to stop listening to Michael Jackson. You know, I... It is. And I... Uh, you know, as hard as he hard came on shuffle me, the other day, and I was like, it's kind of ruined for me. As hard as it is for me to say that, like, it really is because, like, such a formative part of my life. Like, yeah. it hurts me. It hurts me more than like losing Bill Cosby. Yeah. Um, and there is part of it where, like, Bill Cosby, everything he did was so calculated, and he was very clearly a predator. Whereas I do think Michael Jackson was sick and yeah. had a lot of problems. Well, and then what you were saying about R. Kelly is what made me think about it because we're talking about a child who was both of them were abused young, um, rose to fame young. Michael Jackson especially very very so very young, young. abused. And- highly abused exactly so there there are some deep-seated issues and that's the thing you know that we when we listen to our true crime podcasts or learn about these sexual predators it's like that doesn't forgive their actions and what they do it's an explanation it is an explanation yeah i mean i you know for a while i was the same way where i was like you know who am i to say whether or not he did it or not and i was kind of like well maybe he didn't but then as i've gotten older i'm kind of like well I think Why would a, these people put themselves no, out I, there? I don't think they're lying at no. all. And like, I, I do think because it's a, that, that's tarnishing their reputation. They're not lying. Forward. I don't think they're lying. I think it's a nuanced conversation. Not in that Michael Jackson was an abuser, and maybe we need to stop idolizing him and yeah. like deifying him. But in that, like, have you heard the theory? And this makes so much sense to me, whether it's true or not. That um, Conrad Murray, the doctor for the Jackson family, like, came forward and said that, like, uh, last year, I think, came forward and said that Joe Jackson, whenever Michael Jackson um, was going through puberty or getting ready to go through puberty at Motown, they were like, listen, the Jackson 5 is not going to be marketable anymore because Michael Jackson is, his voice is changing. Yeah. And all of these things um, that Joe Jackson had him chemically castrated. That's what I was just going to say. Was he castrated? In that he gave him pills that stopped his development, which made sense to me in that, like, his voice really didn't change. His body didn't change very much. He seemed very asexual, and everything about him seemed like a a child. In that Neverland is a child's imagination of what... Uh, and his house, yeah, it was everything about it was just like this is what a child would do with a lot of money, yeah, in and a lot of influence, yeah. And so I think I kind of convinced myself that that was the case. I still think that might be the case. I mean, I think but that that is very real, but at the same time, he is an adult. It doesn't excuse anything. Yeah. Um, it makes me feel sad for him. I mean, I've always felt sad for him because I do feel like he was robbed of a life. And I think you can do both. I don't think you have to really be like, fuck this person. I mean, yeah, fuck what he did. Absolutely. And oh my god, that's horrible. Absolutely. But at the same time, 
you can still look at his life because his life has been so high profile for most of his life that we can really look at it and be like, wow, this person really went through it. So. Right. And, and I will always, I do want to say for the record, as difficult as this is for me and as much as I do think like we can acknowledge mental illness or other things that are happening because even during that 2005 trial, this man was so clearly fucking unwell. Like he was like standing on cars. He yeah. was doing weird shit. Um, he was so clearly unwell and there were a lot of people around him who obviously clearly facilitated his behavior, um, with these kids. I will say absolutely 100% of the time to the point of not listening to Michael Jackson anymore. I stand with the victims, like Mm -hmm. always, always, like I I will never, ever choose the abuser. Regardless of the reason, I will never choose the abuser over Same. the abuse. Like, I just can't. Like, you know, like I said, it came on Shuffle the other day, and I was like, I cannot listen to this. And today I was listening to someone talking about the documentary on another podcast, and I pulled into the gas station, and there was, like, an old Michael Jackson Pepsi ad. And I was like, oh, Bad timing. Such bad timing. Yeah. It, it's hard. It's really hard, you know. It is, and that's why I want to bring it up, because what it's you're saying about our Kelly... You know, I don't think that Michael had the same kind of... I mean, I'm sure there was some narcissism going on because he was famous for so long. I think it just kind of comes with the territory. But I don't think it was the same kind of, like, calculated... No, um, I don't think it was calculated. I think for Michael Jackson, it was a child's mind having a lot of fucking power. Yeah. Like, any any kid... If you give a kid that much, like, power... I'm going to make a theme park all to myself with right, my and I'm going to get friends. what I want all of the time, any time yeah. I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... And again, I say all this without having seen the documentary. Like, maybe yeah. I'll watch it and I'm like, oh, no, this guy was, like, a calculated fucking... Yeah, exactly. Character. Like, I, I don't know. I don't I'm know. I'm definitely going to watch it, and when I do, I'll fill you in. Yeah, let me know, because... Uh, maybe I'll watch it, but maybe I won't. Maybe, like, down the road you'll watch it. Yeah, I just yeah. can't at this moment. I feel you. <laughs> I'm not ready. I feel you. Sorry to go off, off topic there. No, it's good. you are talking about reminded me of it. So, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. Um, wow, I just blanked on everything we talk about at the <laughs> if, end. If you would like to send us any Sister Solidarity stories or any suggestions for us to do for uh, Women's History Month, we also have our coming out episode coming up soon. So if you have any coming out stories, we would love to get those from you. Love, love, love. Um, you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also get us on Instagram, DM us at angry neighborhood feminist. I am trying to get on Twitter more... Uh, I'm logging in maybe once or twice a week, so that's a big win for me. Um, So you can find us on Twitter at Yamf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. You can also get us on Facebook. We have a business page and a group page, and you can review us on our Facebook page or on Apple Podcasts. We love getting new reviews from you guys. We love it. It totally makes our week. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry... Kind of, maybe I don't know. It is in the it is in the name of our of our podcast, so I don't know how sorry I am. But don't, I am. Are you about to apologize? I am being angry. Extra angry today. That's fine. I'm just extra extra angry today. Keegan, so. we are real human beings. <laughs> don't apologize for being angry. Sometimes I'm good. sometimes I'm sunshine, a, you know. But you know, and not we today. Also talked about a lot of really upsetting things. You yeah. Know? I don't think there's a way for us to talk about this shit and not be fucking angry. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. And with all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Bye. In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast 
that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real. It's intimate. And it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.